dealing with a perpetual troublemaker. We must now talk about the difficulties all parents and all leaders have with the abrasive person who is always disruptive. Such persons exist in every group and no one keeps a crowd motivated for a very long period without gaining some skill in dealing with a troublemaker. Here are some suggestions. Number one, allow for some inexplicable behavior. At management seminars and sales conventions, I am forever recommending that people build into their relationships some allowance for temporary insanity. The boundaries between neurosis and psychosis are much more vague than some clinicians would have us believe, and most supposedly, normal people occasionally cross over the line of irrationality, so it helps to build into the contract a plan for storms. Number 2. Try to ascertain the reason for the abrasiveness. This is not always readily apparent. J.P. Morgan said, A man always has two reasons for doing anything. A good reason and the real reason. There could be genuine grievances which can be heard and possibly rectified if you will do a little sleuth work. Number 3. Determine just how disruptive the person is. Again, this may not be readily apparent. Some people who have the reputation for being the group rebel are actually very much beloved by their peers. They may be regarded as good-natured complainers and are respected for their honesty. And in fact, the group may defend them vociferously if you try to dislodge them. You could realize too late that they were the outlet for many people's unspoken negative emotions. Number 4. Ask for help. Never claim as a right what you can ask as a favor, advises John Churton Collins. And sometimes the most stubborn and uncooperative employees will melt when you ask for their advice or assistance. When you give impassioned pep talks, they fear that you may be trying to manipulate them, but you can privately go to them and say, Our group morale is in trouble, and I haven't had much luck in improving it. You are obviously a person whom the group listens to, and I'm wondering if I can ask for some help from you. It may be the first time anyone has asked. Number 5. Weigh the person's contribution. If it turns out that the person is disruptive and destructive to morale, the next question should be, just how valuable is this individual's contribution? Some mavericks will always be independent and hard to get along with, but they accomplish enough to outweigh the trouble they cause. This is especially true in fields where independent work is at the heart of the organization's success. In some instances, it is performance, not conformance, that counts, and the rebellious star is worth hanging on to. William James said that the essence of genius is to know what to overlook. And the president of a large university writes, It is my job to make it possible for the first-rate teacher to teach, whether he gets along with his colleagues or with me, and very few of the really good teachers do either, is irrelevant. We certainly have a collection of problem children here, but boy, do they teach!
such a policy will not work in every organization, but it is a rule to apply whenever possible. Number six, if the problem is severe enough, remove the person. This may sound as if it contradicts what I've just said about overlooking certain transgressions, but there is a vast difference between overlooking an irregularity because you choose to do so in the interests of creativity, and on the other hand, avoiding a problem because you don't like conflict. It is a weak leader who allows morale to be disrupted and the group's work torpedoed because he or she is afraid to punish, reprimand, and even dismiss. At times, you must take a stand even if it means paring down the group. Number 7. In all your dealings with troublemakers, appeal to the best side of the person. In a fiery exchange, we unfortunately tend to assign permanence to emotions, when the best thing we could say would be, Sam, I've known you a long time, long enough to know that this is not your best self-speaking today, so I suggest we table all of this for now. We're both tired, so how about forgetting we had this conversation, and tomorrow morning we'll start over again? Such an assumption that this is not a malicious person, but simply a person having a bad day, can work wonders in some relationships. Be gentle in your reprimands. St. Paul advised Timothy, and many relationships could be salvaged if that advice were heeded more generally. Most of us have seen business partnerships blow up and marriages collapse because someone spoke too soon. A good night's sleep or a weekend off would have been all that was required for things to return to normalcy. We are back, of course, to the elementary principle stated early in this. If we assume the best about our people, they will do everything they can to live up to those expectations. The astonishing opportunity facing us is that we can call out almost any aspect of another we wish. That even includes calling out the rational, productive self in those who are temporarily giving us a hard time. Music